this special day. The next day, it was as if the whole world was getting ready to celebrate. It seemed as if the sun had risen extra early, almost as if it was as excited about the party as everyone else. Birds were swooping here and there and were twittering gaily to each other about all the preparations being made. It was no surprise that Gus was up at dawn. He ate a quick breakfast, but not too much, because he knew there would be good food at the party. Remember, he had been to a party in Limondor before. His canvas bag certainly looked funny. It bulged with the bundle of his mama's cookies, and the carving he had made was sticking up out of it, almost like a crooked flagpole. Gus kept feeling that he had forgotten something. Reader, can you remember what it was? Maybe something that Mossy had asked him for? That's right. He had asked him to bring something made of metal. When Gus suddenly did remember, he wished that he had thought about it the night before. Whatever could he find to bring to Mossy? He looked quickly around his room but found nothing. In truth, Gus, like most of the children in those days, had very little in his room. Certainly very few toys. What did he need toys with to play with when there were the great outdoors to play in? No, he found nothing that would do for Mossy in his room. He knew that there was no sense looking in the kitchen. That's Mama's domain, he thought to himself, and she uses every tool in there. Her knives, her potato masher, her spoons. Spoons, that's it, he exclaimed out loud. Gus had just remembered how only a few weeks before he had been wading in Muddy Brook, the stream behind his house, and his foot had kicked something metal. It was the handle of a very large spoon. The spoon must have been there quite a long time because it was all dented and rusty. Though no longer of much use as a spoon, Gus had thought at the time that it was quite a find. So he hung it on a nail by the back steps till he could discover something to do with it. Quickly, Gus grabbed the spoon and added it to his overstuffed bag. Now his bag looked even sillier with the spoon's handle and his long wood carving both sticking awkwardly out of the top. He gave his mother a kiss and ruffled his sister's curls before he dashed out the back door, his bag bouncing wildly at his side. Gus had never been in Limondor so early in the morning before. The woods felt so different. They felt and sounded and even smelled different. Good morning, Gnome Papa, said Gus when he arrived at last at his doorstep quite out of breath and showed him the spoon. I brought you this. Will it do? Well, good morning to you, Gus. And yes, this will do perfectly, Mossy replied as he inspected the old spoon. Thank you for bringing it. Here, look what I have done. Gus could see that Mossy had spent a long time cleaning and polishing the key, where it shone like silver. It made Gus smile because that meant that Mossy knew the key was very special. Mossy and Gus carefully placed the key in the wheelbarrow, cushioned on top of a folded cloth. As they started wheeling the barrow towards the commons, Me suddenly remembered that they had forgotten the rope and quickly went back for it. Fortunately, in spite of the delay, they were still the first ones to arrive at the meadow. Gus tucked his bag out of the way before Mossy directed him to position the wheelbarrow under the great oak that stood at the entrance to the commons. Then, with a great kerfuffle, isn't that a fun word, he directed Gus to throw an end of the rope over a low branch of of the oak tree. Mossy then tied the other end of the rope to the loop of the key and had Gus climb up into the wheelbarrow. His job was to guide the key while Mossy tugged on the rope, lifting and suspending the key from the branch. After tying off the end of the rope to hold the key in place, 
Mossy then surprisingly tossed the cloth that was in the wheelbarrow over it, completely hiding it. Reader, we'll gladly, we will gladly wait if you want to read that again. It was pretty complex. Gus said he thought it looked like a ghost, but Mossy had no idea what he was talking about. Perhaps gnomes don't have ghosts. Mossy hung the old spoon on a snag that stuck out of the tree trunk and then wiped his hands. Well, that's done, he said. Now let's see if Gilly is awake yet so we can set the table up. It seemed that only moments later, most of the gnomes had arrived and were busily doing their share of the work. The long table board was set up in record time. Brother Acorn had arrived with his basket of precious acorn shell cups. He placed it on the ground before he and several others went to gather fresh green leaves with which to decorate the table. Teasel and Tweed were busily stringing their festive garland around on the tree branches, and Mr. Twig Whittle was helping them. Maggie, who wore a pretty summer green dress for the occasion, brought her apple jackets over to the table. She sat Emily upright with them to overlook the activities before going to help gather wildflowers to add to the garland. Needless to say, everyone, except for Mossy and Gus, were very curious about the appearance of the strange cloth they saw suspended from the oak. But being gnomes, who were very fond of surprises, they knew not to ask too many questions, or else they would spoil the mystery. And no one wanted to do that. By now, everyone had arrived, even little Grigri was scurrying about. One could say that he was underfoot, but remember, even though he was still something of a baby squirrel, he was already quite a bit larger than Meese. Gilly had brought the dew-fresh strawberries from his garden and placed them in the center of the table on a little bed of moss. What a scrumptious treat they would be. He then helped Wren fill her pine needle basket with fresh stream water. If you check the map reader, you can see that Muddy Brook, which is really crystal clear, runs just to the west of the commons. Wren turned the icy water into a delightful beverage by adding to it some of the mint that grew at the foot of her home tree, along with a few drops of Hummy's golden honey. Then Wren reached for an acorn cup so she could taste the drink to be sure it was just right. But there were none there on the table. Brother Acorn, she called. Where are your cups? I don't see them. If you forgot to bring them, I'd be glad to go get them for you, if you like. Poor Brother Acorn as if he didn't have enough on his mind right then, with the loss of his old friend, Grand Tree. No, I am sure I brought them, he muttered confusedly. They are right there, there in my basket, he said walking over to where he left them. But unhappily, he could see he was wrong. The basket was empty. Not a nut cup was in sight. Oh, dear, exclaimed Brother Acorn. Everyone's attention turned to their friend. What is it? What's wrong? they asked. Now, reader, as a tall one, knowing that Brother Acorn had brought the cups to the party, you might sadly assume that the cups had been taken or even stolen. What other explanation could there be? But for the gnomes, well, that would never occur to them. No one in Limondor ever stole. It was an action as unheard of as cutting down a living tree. As far as the gnomes were concerned, the cups had simply disappeared because of magic. Yes, magic was the only explanation there could be.